Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast. Every week we share some ideas and tools that we hope are going to help you to navigate your squiggly career with that bit more confidence, clarity and control. So this week we're talking about how to make the most of your team time together. So whether it is icebreakers, development activities or just fun stuff to do when you're in a room or on a Zoom together, we're going to explore loads of ideas, some that we've used before and they've worked really well. And we've also got lots of ideas from our Squiggly Careers community as well. But before we get started, I feel like we need to just give our listeners a window into our podcast recording world because you're probably <laughs> going to hear you're probably going to hear some of it. And it's so funny because I was talking about squiggly careers last week on Ali Abdul's deep dive podcast, and I went to like where it's all recorded, and it was it was like scarily professional. There was like a room that was set up, <laughs> and there were cameras and microphones everywhere. And I was like, hmm, slightly different to Sarah and my setup. Which, as just as an example, everybody, the reality of recording. This Good Curious podcast. I'm at home this morning. I'm having some um, work done to my house. So you may hear some banging because all the windows are being replaced. I've also got my cat in my um, office today. She's an indoor cat, so she can't be in the house because there's no windows. So she's with me. An indoor um, cat. I oh, mean. stop. Stop. Just because you don't like cats. My cat's lovely. Well, I don't like them. I'm allergic to them. Well, I also think you maybe don't like them. I, I see no cat care whenever my cat is near you. <laughs> <laughs> there's very limited affection. But also, so I was just saying just before um, we recorded to Sarah, I could hear some scratching and I realised that my very fluffy cat had got a post-it note stuck to her tail and there was just some scratch. <laughs> so, you know, if you hear scratching, banging or purring, that's just the way that the Squiggly Careers podcast goes, everybody. At least we're honest and authentic about <laughs> the way this all happens. But hopefully it doesn't stop it being useful for you and your development. So back to the topic of team icebreakers and activities. We were sort of thinking, you know, why is this maybe more important now because you know we talked about make, making meetings exciting for quite a long time but I think because the way that we work now you know lots of people are working remotely we're not all in the office at the same time I think the times that we get together really matter for people they want to have connection they want those moments to be memorable I think they are actually more important than ever and I think if you can energize and inspire in those moments it means the times when people aren't together that sort of becomes less of an issue. I always almost think it's like concertina culture. You know, if you can like bring the team together and really, really make that like 
a really memorable team moment, then the culture kind of expands when people aren't together. And I think you sort of need to do that concertina a few times. Like you come together, you really make it memorable and then people can go away and do their work in their own way. But if you don't have those moments, I think teams can start to feel a bit disconnected. People can feel like they don't necessarily know each other or know how to work best together. And I think people can start to feel maybe quite isolated when we're working in this sort of hybrid way that is happening now for everybody. Yeah, and it always really strikes me that whenever we ask our team, oh, what have you particularly enjoyed over the last quarter or what stood out for you this year? It is always the times where we're together as a team. So whether it is in a room or on a Zoom, those moments of, I guess it's a little bit pressing pause from the day job, spending some time learning that informal ability to just like have a chat i do think that the hybrid world means that perhaps those things don't happen as frequently so to helen's point when they do happen you want to put a lot of thought and intention into them you don't just sort of think oh yeah we'll just get together as a team and you know the old school team development days where i think Mm. people were quite reliant maybe on certainly if you're in the uk you know like going to the pub at the end of the day which uh doesn't feel very inclusive especially not for me because certainly all in my 20s yeah I didn't drink I don't want to be in a pub and actually for a lot of people those more sort of informal social moments are not where you create connection or perhaps not where you feel comfortable so I think we've got to like really move on from that sort of slightly more ladder-like way of doing team development or perhaps where it was expected that the leader took control you know like the leader ran the day the person in charge essentially and everyone just sort of sat around and and nodded their head for a bit and and hoped there was going to be a nice lunch with some sandwiches or when you outsource it to somebody else as well I don't think that's quite the right thing you know I've definitely worked in companies it's like oh it's our annual team day and we've we've got a company in to run it for us for the day and I think actually the more that you can do this within the team the less dependent you become on budget as well you know like lots of teams haven't got the budget to go and hire other people to help them but also if you can make it a bit smaller so it doesn't have to be a whole day it can be you know a 10 minute moment in a meeting or something like that then you can do this more frequently and which I think is more helpful for people too. So we have got a lot of ideas for you today. <laughs> and so we've, so many, we've decided we we need some categories. So we've got three themes that we're going to work through. Ideas for getting closer as a team. So connecting and getting closer. Ideas for working smarter. And ideas for growing better. So that's just sort of how we've divided them, just so it doesn't feel too overwhelming as we go through them. Some of them are really quick and simple ideas. Some of them will take a bit longer to explain. Then we did ask our Squiggly Careers community on LinkedIn what they had done and any good ideas that they were happy for everybody to share. So we're going to end the podcast with three or four that other people shared and give them a bit of a squiggly shout out because people have got some brilliant ideas. I think it's just really helpful to have all of these things in one place. That's the way that we'll structure it and we'll write them all up. You'll be able to find them on the pod notes and the pod sheets. And if you ever need any of the resources and you can't find them, you can always just email us. We're Helen and Sarah at squeaklycareers.com. So let's get started. Category number one, ideas for action to help people get closer when you are getting together. And the first one is secret skills. So I often find that when you're chatting to people, there is some kind of secret skill that lots of people have that isn't anything to do with their day job. It's something that they do outside of work, or it's maybe a skill that they used to have, you know, like 
even like a childhood one. Like when I did this at a team meeting in Microsoft, I remember there was um, a guy called Jeff in my team at Microsoft. He was brilliant, worked at Microsoft for quite a long time, just like a lovely, kind guy really who was oh, just like I, I don't know I can't really describe it but Jeff was really generous with his time he wanted to help everyone that was just sort of the aura that Jeff had and we did this thing around sort of like secret skills and it turned out that he has like had won medals for breakdancing and you know when you're like oh <laughs> like I would not have put like kind generous corporate Jeff with breakdancing <laughs> and it suddenly helped me to see him in a new light and it's funny and it's a point of connection and you have different conversations and I think getting people to share like what is a secret skill you've got behind the scenes either that you're always sort of using now that people might not know about or one that you know a past secret skill from when you were younger you know when you won awards for some sporting prowess or something it just sparks some conversation so Sarah what is a secret skill that you have that our Squiggly Careers podcast listeners might not know about? Well, I qualified to be an aerobics instructor uh, when I was when I was really young. When I was about, I must have been nineteen, nineteen twenty. Um, so know very that. much, yeah, very much in the grapevine era, you know, like old school <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, like leggings and leg warmers. I still really like exercise, but I really liked aerobics because it felt sort of. I've always liked dancing, like going to dancing, and it sort of combined dancing and fitness and music. And also being frank, it was a really good way to earn money when you were young because you got well paid <laughs> for being an aerobics instructor. And I think I was never sure whether. That might be something that I, I would end up doing, you know, almost like whether it was on the side or in an evening. But I really enjoyed teaching classes. And now that I think about it, and I know you like always understand life when you sort of look backwards and connect the dots. But I think, oh, it's probably no surprise that I now spend time like supporting people with their careers. And I'm really happy to show up and run workshops because, yes, I'm not teaching people to do a grapevine, but I am still happy to like be in front of a group, support people to learn and develop. It's just less about the grapevines now, more about squiggly careers. <laughs> I dislike the grapevine. What about I you? I will like not the grapevine. I can't do it. I can't. I, I get like I literally get yeah, my leg into knots. That doesn't surprise just... me. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so, you're so mean. You're so mean. Well, you. I think you know my secret skill. I really love, 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 love food and cooking. And think uh, something that squiggly crazy people probably don't know is that I was on television for my cooking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did not win this television program, and I'm not going to tell you what it was, everyone, because I do not want you to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really not going to tell everyone? That's so funny. Uh, well, I don't actually think you can find it. I did try Google it, and I don't think you can Ooh, find you it. Say that. It's in the, it's in the oh, our curious listeners might just as their super skill of finding my television moment. Yeah, maybe. Um, do I have to say it? Do I have to say it or not? Yeah, come on. Oh my goodness. So it was called Britain's Best Dish. I think it was on ITV. My dish was not Britain's Best Dish because I didn't win. Aww. But I did. But no one was mean. You know how sometimes on those cookery programs, yeah, nice. they're like the judges. No one was mean. They were like, oh, it was a lovely macaroon tower. It was very nice. I was like, oh, good. I'm Aww. glad. But um, yeah, there you go. But anyway, you can have conversations that are different from the day job, basically, which I think is where, where we're trying to go. And a build on this, this sort of idea number two, is show and tell. I've done this one as well, works really well. So basically, people bring in to a meeting could do this virtually or in person something that is sort of personal to them you could give this a little bit more focus so you could say you know bring something you're proud of or bring something that is a really happy memory or you could just do show and tell you know show something and tell us what it means to you it's up to you kind of what how you do it but we did this with my team and you you hear sometimes it's funny like I remember I did it with a team and someone basically showed a uh, tub of peanut butter <laughs> pretty random and they were Ooh. like I like I basically they had an addiction to peanut butter <laughs> they were like which they totally owned and they were like I get through like a jar a day 
and you're like, oh, oh wow, that, that's interesting. And then somebody else showed a picture of a nature reserve, which is really personally meaningful for them. And they told the story about why, and it was quite an emotional moment. And I think show and tell is a, is quite similar to secret skills. You're just getting a window into someone else's world and making it comfortable for, for them to share that at work. So the third idea, which is probably my favourite team icebreaker that I've ever done, we've done it in Amazing If, and actually a few people on LinkedIn also said they'd done it, is a Spotify playlist. So the way that this works is everybody submits one music track to somebody who's sort of putting together, I guess they're being the sort of the DJ for the day. You all submit your track, and then in the meeting itself, you play a bit of the music you know 30 seconds or so and then people talk about like why they chose their track and what I really like about this is I think music matters and is meaningful to everyone in some way like I'm not super into music or bands or anything like that but you know obviously even I could do this I still had a track that I was like oh yeah it would definitely be that for me and people tell really brilliant stories around music so for some people it can be really emotional For other people, it's really fun or people talk about like an amazing moment on like a holiday they went on, I don't know, in Ibiza. So they really remember when they were 18. And often some people are like very knowledgeable about music. So I think you definitely hear different stories. You get a window into people's world and what matters to them. And what's nice is people can go in whatever direction works for them. So it doesn't have to be deep and meaningful. I think that's one of the things that you have to watch out for, particularly if you're doing you know, team icebreakers, and you're just trying to, in a low-key, informal way, have some fun but get to know people. There are some other exercises we're going to talk about where I sort of think, well, that's not the first thing I would do, or perhaps that's not the first thing I would do if we were getting together for the first time. But I feel like this one works at any time in a team day, and you can do it remotely really easily. We actually did this in a room just before we were about to go out to have dinner together as a team. And it just like teed us up for the evening so well. And I can still remember a lot of what people shared that evening. I mean, I've got the playlist in front of me. It included such have tracks. I have, I have. Um, Forever I Young, I can't remember Bob your Dylan. track, actually. Mine was Free Yourself, Jessie Ware, which is to the point uh. of lots of people had chosen these really meaningful ones. And I was like, it just makes me happy and I want to dance. Yeah. And everyone else would be like, and this song changed my life. I was like, oh. <laughs> but people people come at music from different things. But I think you know, most people like, like music. So at the very least, you'll end up with like a very diverse playlist in, in a team meeting. So it's always it's always quite fun. And it's quite easy to do. You know, with these things, you're like, you don't want them to be loads of work beforehand because everyone's yeah. super busy. I just think everyone can send you one track that matters to them. If you want something that is even easier, I would argue, and very fun and very quick to do. I actually did this when I uh, worked in a creative agency. It does feel quite creative agency, I think, in Vibe, which was Desert Island Crisps. This really made me laugh. Also, people are very passionate about crisps. I think I'm quite passionate. I think I'm more passionate about crisps than I am music, to be honest. <laughs> and so everybody talks about if you could only have like one packet of crisps, like one type of crisp on a desert island, what would you choose? And honestly, I was like, this is such a dilemma. There are so many good choices. Like, what do you go for? And you only get to have that crisp. Now, Helen, you are one of, probably one of the few people I know who crisps are probably not top of your list of food that you love so what would you take i really don't like crisps i know you don't it's really weird (laughs) no they're just like greasy and then i know everyone will be like but helen you can get them baked now no that's just like there must be something you like I mean, I quite like a cracker, you know, like a like a sourdough <laughs> oh cracker. <laughs> I mean, I've li- you've literally made me put my head in my hands. <laughs> I 
I don't know. I really don't like. I'm sorry. I just don't like a crisp. But Sarah, what would your desert island crisp be? Well, when I did this as an activity, everybody got super into it, and people were like really like passionate about the crisp choices. Ultimately, I mean, it's, it is a very hard. It's a very hard choice. But I went with um, knickknacks, nice and spicy flavour. Oh God, they're awful, dreadful. Like they make your fingers smell. <laughs> this is. I mean. I know, but they're really, really delicious. I mean, my other option, which you're really not going to like, was like was scampi fries. So if you think knickknacks are bad, then scampi fries are uh, I mean, even worse. You're just validating all the reasons that I do not like crisps. That you don't so. like crisps. Yeah. Anything like that, it can be quite a fun way to get started. When, and when I did that, it was, it was. I, I, it's funny how I really remember it. Yeah. And people have brought in packets of the crisps because they were so enthusiastic about them, which I, I very much enjoyed. So the next idea to get closer, this is where some of the ideas do dive a bit deeper. So I think so far we've talked about things that are essentially icebreakers. Secret skills, show and tell, Spotify, Desert Island Discs. They get you started, they're easy, everybody can get involved. The next one we call high-low learning. And this typically, I think, works better in pairs or small groups across a team. You know, you're sort of having mini conversations as part of your team day. And this is just really simple where you share a high in your career so far and a low in your career. You're sharing a high-low story. I have even done this in an even more depth way where you sort of shared all of your highs and lows, but that's where we'd got a lot of time and people kind of really wanted to get to know each other. But I just think one high and one low, you know, everybody can do that. It hopefully doesn't feel too vulnerable, but it's sort of vulnerable enough. And it's a great way to get closer to one or two of the people in the team. It's less about everybody together and it's more sort of a, well, if I hear Helen talk about a low in her career, you know, you feel empathy, you go, oh, I get that other people had lows too. And, you know, it's reciprocal. You get to hear about one of mine. I think if you were going to do this, you might want to let people know beforehand so they can have a think about it. But I would say if you're just doing one high and one low, most people can do this on the spot and I'm someone who's not very spontaneous and I've done this before not knowing I was going to do it and could come up things like pretty quickly and felt very comfortable doing it. If you're doing it virtually obviously you're going to put people into pairs and breakouts if you're doing this in person I think it's quite nice you know you've got a meeting and you might say to people okay we'll take half an hour talk it through maybe go out of the room so it's not you know you've got all that kind of noise in one room I think it's a bit distracting and I think if you want to get people closer together just saying you know go have a walk and 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 talk about this or just go find a seat outside this room and all come back together I think it just it makes that little bit of connection that bit stronger as well and then the last idea in this section is doing some sort of profiling work as a team this is one that I expect lots of people listening might have experienced at some point during their career there are loads of options for things you can do so these are things you know like strengths finder we recently did something called insights discovery Sarah she might be Sarah Smalley on LinkedIn uh, she recommended one called see me as in curly cur, as my six-year-old would say curly cur, see me <laughs> so profiling tools I think can be helpful I think there are a couple of caveats with them firstly not all profiling tools are equal some of them have much more kind of research behind them some of them are accredited by the British Psychological Association so they have much more kind of thought some of them when you look at them they they might be fine they might be quick and easy to do and they might be free but they perhaps haven't got the substance behind them so I think just be thoughtful about which ones you choose This is also one of the times where usually it's helpful to have this facilitated by somebody trained in that 
tool or in that profile. So whether that's a coach or they typically are coaches or an expert in that area, because I think they are the people actually that can make these tools particularly useful. Like the tools are sort of always helpful. Like who doesn't like filling out a bit of a profile and getting some graphs or some colors or, you know, a page where you think, oh, it's sort of, it's not like a horoscope. Hopefully it's more accurate than that. But, you know, everyone likes reading those things. But then the value comes from how you use them and the questions that you ask. I really like this example. So Laura Batt on our LinkedIn community said that her team had a brilliant session with a coach called Simon, Simon Timmons. And what I really liked about this, the reason I wanted to share it is she said he asked this question to the group. If you want the group to know one thing about you and your personality, what is it? And what I love about that is it's not sort of going, well, here's a profile. This is everything about you on a page. And we're just going to give it out to everybody because I think that's the exact opposite of what we want to do here is we want to be sensitive. We also want to let people choose, you know, personality profiles. The ones that are very good are also really clear. Oh, you know, our accuracy is around 70%. So there's 30% in those profiles that is inaccurate, that won't feel right for you. And also, depending on how well you know people, the level of trust in that team, I think it's really nice that people get to choose what to share. So I think as long as you use these profiles as sort of inputs and insights rather than answers, they can be brilliant, they can be useful, but I would always be a bit nervous about sort of taking them too far. I know sometimes people really adopt these tools and then they become part of you know people's like email signature and things like that. At that point, I start to feel a bit more unsure, a bit more uncomfortable about them. So have fun with them, but do basically, this is the one where I'm like, do your research, get a recommendation, do a tool that you feel confident in, but get a really good person to come and facilitate that, that part of your team day for you. I feel like the email signature is the equivalent of uh, when people used to put like the profiles on their desk. I've yes, worked in a company yeah. where you'd go around and you'd be like, oh, very red person. Um, and know. yeah, I think we don't want to make those assumptions and put people in those boxes, even if they're inadvertently doing it themselves. I think, you know, as Sarah said, it's, you know, what do you identify with within this profile? And it's that discussion. I also think the opposite is useful. What do you not identify with? Yeah. Because I think, you know, picking that out and saying, oh, no, that doesn't feel like me at all. I think that's quite a powerful, that's quite a powerful conversation. You can imagine that is exactly what I did. So when we did, <laughs> we did Insights Discovery, which was very useful and I really enjoyed doing it. And it's, it's sort of, it's got a lot of science behind it. And so when I was, and we had a brilliant facilitator uh, supporters with ours, <laughs> the first thing I did was go through and highlight everything that I didn't feel was accurate. And she did. was like, are you um, a critical thinker? And I was like, oh yeah, like, maybe. <laughs> and also my profile, the profile for my Insights Discovery was relatively unusual and the facilitator tried so hard to be really positive about it she was like oh it's brilliant you have all of these unusual and sort of different things to contribute and I looked at it and I was like hmm is the prey seat she can be a bit of a nightmare you know when you like read it and you think and I was like oh god how do I describe this to the team so I was there trying to really talk up some of the good stuff about the variety that's in my personality so I think you know you can have some fun with them but we don't want to label people we don't want to put people in boxes 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So that was our first category of ideas for your team meetings to help people get closer. The second one is all about ideas to help you work smarter when you are together, both in that moment and beyond it. So the first idea here is called rock, pebbles and sand. And some of you might be familiar with this. I'll just talk about it sort of conceptually and then I'll say, what do you do practically? So the way of thinking about this conceptually is imagine like your team and all the work that you do just imagine like an empty jar for a moment okay and then if you fill that jar with sand to begin with so sand is the equivalent of sort of busy work you know lots of small tasks that need to get done let's imagine you fill your glass jar with all the sand then when you try to put some pebbles on top it's going to sit on the sand so the pebbles are the equivalent of the slightly bigger projects that you might be doing so things that might take a bit longer not the stuff that you can get done easily today but maybe a thing that you might work on you know within a week that's the that's what we're talking about with pebbles so you're gonna put pebbles on top and then when you try to put rocks on top and rocks are like your big strategic priorities like you know the big objectives that we're trying to achieve this year Because you've gone sand first, those big rocks, basically, they do not fit in your jar because we started with the wrong thing first. But if you did it the other way around, if you started with the rocks, the big priorities, and then you put the pebbles in, they would kind of find their way in the gaps. And then you put the sand in, you could basically fit things in a bit better. And the point is, that's kind of the concept. The point is, a lot of the time, teams start with sand and they cannot fit the big stuff in. And so what we want to do as a team is understand, first of all, what do rocks, pebbles and sand look like for us? Like what is the actual equivalent of that work in our team? And then what we should be doing is starting with the rocks first. Okay, so who's working on those together? What are the key moments? What are the milestones we're trying to achieve? And then we kind of fit the other work around it. Whereas it often happens back to front, we get consumed by the sand and can't fit the rocks in. So that's kind of how it works. Practically, what you can do, and you can do this virtually using tools like Miro or Mural, or you can do it in person. You're just going to need a pack of post-it notes. What I would get people to do to begin with, and you might want them to prep this in advance, 
is on their post-it notes, virtual or real ones, get them to write down all the kind of different things that they're doing across a day, a week and a month. And I would give them three different colours to like sand. You're going to need to give them like a definition of this. So sand is the small tasks that need to get done almost on a daily basis. So get them to write all that stuff down. So I might say, oh, approving a social media post, responding to my team on LinkedIn. That would be some of my kind of sand. You're not saying it's not important, but it is that kind of reactive work that you do every day. And then you give them another cover colour for the pebbles. So those projects that they're working on, that might be for us. Um, I don't know, we might be launching, we're creating some infographics at the moment for um, to bring our Harvard Business Review articles to life. That's more of like a pebble, because it's sort of like a defined project. And so you get everyone to write all their sort of defined smaller projects down. And then a third colour for those rocks, so the big initiatives that they think they are working towards. So for me and Sarah, that might be working towards a book, for example, that we might be writing. That's got a bigger strategic thing that we're trying to do to get our work and worlds out into the world now everyone preps that and then you come together and you stick all the everyone puts their sand down everyone puts their pebbles down everyone puts their rocks and then what you're doing is you're taking you know a step back so either you're looking at that virtually or in person and you're trying to see what is this telling us about the way that we're working and you often see an awful lot of sand an awful lot of sand and you're like "Hmm, how are those rocks actually going to get done because we seem to have a lot of sand you often see quite a lot of duplication where people might be working on the same things or it could be a lot efficient if people worked on things together and what you're aiming for is to reduce the amount of sand so do we really need to get that done is that really important if we stopped doing that what would happen and make sure people are really really clear connected and prioritizing those big rocks and And it just gives you a sort of visual way of discussing your priorities and the busy work and making sure the team all understand and align on what we're working on and why we're working on it. I've never done this before, but I can see how it'd be really helpful because when you described it to me, I could straight away give you an example of something where, because we haven't done something like this, we had a bit of work where I'd worked on something and someone in our team had worked on something pretty similar and so there probably was a duplication of efforts so what I really like about this is that sort of transparent mapping out of how we're all spending our time because I think you think that everybody knows like the work that you're doing but of course people don't and so it's so easy isn't it to sort of end up being like inefficient or you're just not getting the gains of people working together where it'd be really useful yeah and I think as well it gives people a way because sand doesn't always feel great you know like because sand can feel mm. like you know like you can't move forward you're like you know you know really you try to not that I really try and run in sand but it's just hard work isn't it I mean you're trying to kind of go through the sand sometimes and you can help people we give them a way to share that maybe there's some work that's feeling a bit sandy and it gives them a really comfortable way to talk about it but also you might give them some importance they might be dismissing that work a little bit and saying oh I do this every day and it feels a bit like sand and then you might say yeah but that's really really important if we, if that's not in place then we're not going to be able to do that that big rock for example so it, it just gives you a way of talking about that and a way of people sharing maybe how they're feeling about the work they're doing as well. Hmm, interesting. Maybe we should give that a go in our next team day. I'm happy to vote it. Okay, brilliant. Action. <laughs> Helen, another action. Perfect. Great, great. Uh, so our next idea is borrowed brilliance. So we've talked about borrowed brilliance before on the podcast and this is now a standing agenda as part of every time we meet up as a team. It's not always the first thing that we do. We often think about 
when we're designing our team half days we very rarely do full days because our team gave us feedback they preferred a half day i'm not sure whether that's like a full day is too is too long with helen and i Um, yeah a bit too intense that that probably is true but we always have borrowed brilliance we do borrowed brilliance in a more ad hoc way using microsoft teams so people can share as we go but when we are together we do ask everybody to talk about one bit of borrowed brilliance and we actually did this week we had a team day on monday and i just love hearing what everybody has to share i mean this week we had people talk about systems we had people talk about the sea as in looking after the ocean. We had people talk about economics and their passion for economics. People talking about there not being enough male teachers in primary schools. And so you never know where those conversations are going to go. And even though with Borrowed Brilliance, you don't have to connect the dots. I think that's really important. Sometimes people think I should have read something or be sharing something where I can then say, oh, and this will be useful for our team in this way. I think you can let go of that constraint for people. I just think it's just like, what what have you seen that really uh, sparked your curiosity? Or you're just like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. Like I was thinking actually recently, and actually I shared it as we went rather than waited for the team meeting. But the new IKEA adverts, for example, which sort of show families basically buying their products but then not using them because you've got a baby and you were sort of hoping they were going to sleep in the beautiful cot (laughs) but then inevitably they actually sleep on you or like your kid you buy a bed and your kid gets three quarters of the bed and you're there like stuck on the corner and if you've not watched them they are absolute genius they're one of those ads where you're like oh if I wish I'd made one ad ever it's those and you just go well we're not going to make a tv ad and I can't connect the dots in the here and now between why that's so incredible and then what we do day to day but that's not the point and I think you're missing the point if you if you try to be too linear about this I think the point is just to like spend some time outside of your world being really curious and also just I'm always surprised by what people come up with so I find it so interesting so get borrowed brilliance on your agenda it's really easy it gives everybody space to contribute and also you are signaling to teams that you value curiosity which I think is really important. Another idea in the working smarter area is the give and gain activity. So this is where everyone talks about something they've got to give. And this could be some experience or expertise, for example. So I might say to somebody, oh, one of the things that I have got to give is that I am... ran innovation teams and I can talk through sort of innovation processes and practices if that would be useful and then I might say and one thing that I would like to gain is I would like to get some more experience of how to grow our podcast with people who aren't aware of it yet for example and as a group you go around it and what you're doing is you're not necessarily expecting somebody in that team to have the knowledge that you need but what often happens is they might know of something or someone who does and someone might say oh Helen actually I'm about to put a process in place it's not an innovation process but I'd be really interested in the steps and structures of how that process was created and so my give it becomes useful to somebody else and that thing I want to gain they might think oh actually I was at an event the other week and there was someone speaking on stage about podcast growth it was this person you might want to get in touch with them and this idea of give and gain means that you're sort of tapping into the knowledge that you don't always see on the surface like often people know other people or they've done other things that they don't talk about on a day-to-day basis and give and gain kind of activates it so it's a way you, you sort of tap into that knowledge. So our final idea in Working Smarter is invite an expert. And though we think it's really important to take accountability and ownership as a team for how you spend time together, 
bringing the outside in is often really useful. And I think here, really consider what experts are going to be helpful for everybody. And so, for example, in our team day on Monday, I had heard from a lot of the team that they wanted to develop their strategy skills. Now, people had said that in different ways and for different reasons, but it was a common theme. So I'm always on the lookout for common themes in terms of learning, because then you think, well, great, if lots of people are sort of broadly interested in strategy, who do I know who's a real expert in that area who might just come and spend 45 minutes or an hour with our team? So we had one of my brilliant friends, Rob George, come along, a real sort of expert in strategy, though he's sort of very humble and doesn't describe himself in that way. But I know he's sort of brilliant at what he does. And in my head, the process I'd gone to was, well, who's my go-to guru? So when I think about strategy, who's the go-to guru that I can connect and ask to then come along to our team and sort of share their wisdom with everybody else? And though you might think, oh, you know, it's hard because everyone's busy, In my experience, people are really flattered to be asked. There's often some sort of reciprocal swap that you might do along the way. It doesn't have to be in that moment. But obviously, if Rob then asked me to come and talk to his team, no pressure though, Rob, um, who does listen to this podcast, obviously, I'm going to say yes and try and make that happen. So this is really people helping people in action. And I think it's just nice to have a different voice in the room when you get somebody from the outside. And I think it brings a different kind of energy to the day as well. And our third area for ideas for your team meetings is around how you can use these ideas for action to grow better together. So think about this as sort of improvements or efficiencies, celebrating successes, all those kind of things that bond you. The first one here is knots and needs. So we all have knotty moments in the work that we're doing it might be a deadline that's feeling really difficult or a budget that's been cut so you can't do this thing the way that you were planning to do it or maybe sometimes it could be a stakeholder (laughs) sometimes it could just be (laughs) a really difficult stakeholder who's just making everything a lot harder and in a high trust team you should be able to talk about these knotty things and I might say oh I'm working on this project at the moment but I'm really feeling like the energy has gone from it and it's starting to stall that's my knotty moment that's happening at work what I really need is some ideas from you as a team on how I can get people reconnected with what we're trying to do and sort of re-energize it because we've got another six months before this is ultimately going to be completed and having that framework of like what's a knot that's you know not feeling so great or not helping you to do the thing that you want to do and what do you need enables the team to sort of come together to try to solve some of those problems for you or at least maybe get yourself a bit unstuck if that knot's feeling like a bit of a blocker for you. The second idea in this area about growing better is challenge and build. And we have talked about this before. So this is where you might be working on something and sometimes you get a bit too close to it. So let's say Sarah and I are working on an outline for another book that we want to do. And we might be getting quite sort of emotionally connected to that idea because like we'd like, oh, this is the best idea ever. Actually creating some time where people put that idea or that concept or whatever it is they're working on to the team and you frame it as a challenge and build session. What it does is it helps you to be a bit more objective because you're inviting the team to challenge that idea and say, "Mm, it might not work because, but then what they also have to do is build. But what would make it even better 
is. And so it helps the team to practice feedback in a really safe environment. It means that people don't hold their ideas too tightly. And it also means that people sort of feel like they're part of something. I think occasionally when we have an idea that we really feel great about, we can sometimes work on it in isolation from other people. But the fact that they have had an input and that you have listened and hopefully included some of those things means that everybody feels part of it, even when everybody's not responsible for working on it. And so our next idea, which I love, obviously, is wouldn't it be amazing ifs? You know, the clues in the title about why I like this so much. But we have done this as a team. And actually, I've heard of a couple of organisations doing something similar, but probably named in a slightly different way. And this is just giving everybody the permission to really, I think, fast forward and think about the future and be really ambitious about what you are trying to achieve as a team. So like, wouldn't it be amazing if dot, 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 maybe it's to do with ways of working. Maybe it's to do with what you deliver for customers. But I think the really important point here is is getting everybody to sort of let go of, you know, the reality that normally gets in the way of the wouldn't it be amazing ifs because we think, I don't know how we would do that. I don't know how we would make that happen. Everybody's worst critic sort of naturally kicks in. Whereas this is just going, okay, well, let's imagine we got full freedom. What is the answer to that question? Wouldn't it be amazing if? And when we did it as a team quite recently, I was also quite surprised by some of the things that people came up with that they would love to see amazing if achieve. And it challenged some of my thinking. It took us in a slightly different direction. Again, you might want to give people a bit of time by themselves I do think during team days remembering that some people will find team days quite draining towards the end because it's a lot of time with people particularly if you're there for a longer period of time actually factoring in a bit of alone time says the introvert of the uh, of the <laughs> duo um can be quite useful so I think for this exercise the way that I would normally design it is I'd say to everybody take 15 minutes you know like use it like grab a coffee and write down what ideas you've got for wouldn't it be amazing if for our organisation or for our team. So you've given a pe- time for people to sort of think and then get everybody back in the room and then you sort of just take it in turns, sticking up or visualising these wouldn't it be amazing ifs. And you could do it in small groups and then maybe as a small group you sort of share with the other group or if you're a smaller team you could perhaps just do it all together in a room. But I really like how liberating this feels and though you could argue well does it feel a bit demotivating because often it's quite far away from where you are today my observation is it does the opposite everyone gets quite excited about things and maybe you realize you are on the way to some of those things or you could do some things differently that might get you closer to some of those really big shared ambitions that everybody would feel really proud of and if you're a manager this can be a really really insightful exercise about what you can do to sort of excite and also enable your team. So when when we did it, everybody knew we were doing it in advance and they'd written down as many wouldn't it be amazing as ifs as they could think of. And so the first ones were kind of, you know, almost, I guess, sort of, maybe not predictable, but sort of, sensible I suppose and then they got crazier and crazier and what I was doing what I was doing was trying to like almost theme them like as I was listening I was like okay they are all very different however I can see some areas of connection so for example uh, some of the ideas across the team for us was about wouldn't it be amazing if all of our information was in one place and more than one person (laughs) said that of some of some sort of description maybe not the exact words it was the sentiment and I was like oh clearly 
that is really on people's mind and one way that I could help them is you know just you know how do we do that what would look like what do we need to stop doing for that to be possible and then on the other end of the scale it was things like wouldn't it be amazing if we could transform education or wouldn't it be amazing if we could talk about squiggly with Oprah and it was just you know it's like oh okay so people <laughs> I know want... that one really threw me I know I love it <laughs> but you know people want some of these really big like really really big far out sort of move you know like the moonshot ideas and it's like people want the practical and the moonshots at the same time and it was like good it was good to hear that and so as a manager I think obviously you can share your wouldn't it be amazing lifts but really really make sure you're listening to sort of the intent behind the ideas I suppose and the next idea is be beginners together I think this actually could have gone in getting closer as well as growing better I think this actually does two things so we've recently did this with Scriberia, who basically teach you to draw. You know, everybody thinks they can't draw unless they are artists. It's often one of those kind of fixed mindset moments lots of us have, like, oh, I'm just not good at drawing, or maybe I'm just not creative. And so Scriberia joined for one of the events that we were doing, actually, and we got everybody to just sort of learn a bit about drawing and have a go and sort of give yourself permission to sort of start from scratch and not expect anyone to be particularly great at it. So there's something about that in terms of, A, it challenges our brain in a different way, but also it kind of unites us all in terms of probably feeling a little bit uncomfortable, but then you're all having a go together. I saw some other examples of people talking about like learning to cook. We're actually doing that later on in the year. I've wanted to do things like sushi making a few times, but that's surprisingly hard to make happen. But the other one that we've done, and actually this was done remotely, is we sent everybody some clay and we did pottery making. Very messy, but everybody's kids also loved it and liked getting involved. But again, it was this thing of something very different from your day-to-day, but where everyone actually really enjoys the sort of, I think, like freedom to play and to be playful. So anything you can do to be a beginner, I think is always helpful. And the next idea we've got, which I love, and again, we've done this in our team a few times now, and it's always such a brilliant moment, We get everybody to write their pride postcards and then read them out loud. Now, if you've got a team of 100, that probably doesn't work. You probably need to kind of break people up into smaller groups. I think if I got a team of 100, I'd be thinking, well, how can I put people in groups where they don't work with those people day to day? So you get to hear pride postcards from different teams because I think that would always be really nice to do. And it doesn't have to be long. I mean, if it was me, and this is this is very me, I would take this too far. I actually sort of want the postcard. I'd want to like be printing the postcards out, particularly if you were if you were together in person. And I'd be giving everyone a postcard and be like, right, go away and write it. What are you proud of in the last quarter? I would keep it quite short, I think, in terms of like you don't this is not sort of designed for people to share all of their life story. It's sort of so far this year or in the last quarter. Like what are some of the highlights to you? What for you? What was on your pride postcard? And then I do think the power in this is not really the writing down. It's the people saying it out loud and encouraging people to like to own, own their successes and the stuff that they've done that's really good and that makes them feel really good. And for everybody to celebrate that success together. It's a lovely activity and one that you see people sort of, they're a bit apologetic about it because like no one likes to talk about all the good stuff out loud. But you can also see people sort of growing in, confidence and then just just like feeling great about themselves which I think can never be a bad thing 
I loved hearing the team talk through these and just sort of understanding a bit more about what was really meaningful to people. Because for some people, it was about like, it was almost like they were proud of what they were delivering. And for some people, it was like the way that they were managing their life, you know, because they mm-hmm. they were juggling or because they were doing something they'd not done before. And I think it was sort of important for them to acknowledge these things that they were proud of but it was also just a really nice thing to sort of hear and celebrate yeah it was lovely not a conversation that you have every day I think that's why the the pride postcard it just creates that space for everyone to do it and yeah a lot of people wrote down the list I did what Sarah did I I drew on my iPad I like like literally sort of drew a postcard I was probably the only person who took it that literally um not surprising (laughs) that you that you would do you would do the same and then our last idea for action on growing better is called leader AQA so this is any question answer and what this does is it creates a space for the team to ask their manager any kind of question I think for managers can feel maybe quite vulnerable because you know you might not know what those questions are in advance but people could submit them you could use something like Typeform or Slido so that people could submit questions to you in advance the advantage of using something like Slido is that people could upvote them as well so you could send a link to the team you could say I'm going to do an AQA in our next meeting together if you've got questions you can you know submit them anonymously here and you can also look at what's been submitted and upvote them so you can do that or you could just do it in in the meeting whatever works for you but what this does is it gives people a chance to ask maybe some tough questions that you Mm. they might not have worked they're like oh do I ask this in a one-to-one I don't want to put this on email you know there could be all kind of confidence gremlins getting in the way of them asking those questions and you suddenly make it very very safe for that to happen and it means that people can hear the same messages so you might have one brave person in the team who asks you this question in the one-to-one but then it doesn't necessarily get shared across the team but it means that everyone can hear it it is coming from you you know what matters to people and you create a safe space for them to ask those questions so there's there's quite a lot about the consistency of your communications and the psychologically safe culture you're creating just by doing this leader aqa in a meeting yeah i worked with a company recently where they do this and they do use slido it's always anonymous and everybody does the upvoting and they've just got so used to doing it you know it's become like a ritual and a habit for them that they were like, we get questions on absolutely everything and anything. So it's just created this openness where they know leaders are prepared to answer any question. So I just think it's a it's a really nice thing to do. And particularly actually might work for something like using Slido anonymously. That would work for really big teams very well. In our team, which is quite small, I sort of think... If you upvoted it, you're like, oh, there'd be five votes. <laughs> and it wouldn't quite it wouldn't quite have the same impact. But I think the the principle is a really good one. So a couple of extra ideas to finish from our brilliant community on LinkedIn. And there were some lovely ones that people shared. So thank you to everybody who sort of got in touch and gave us their ideas. Sarah Worth suggested a version of Petra Kutcher. We'll put a link to Petra Kutcher in the Podno and in Podmail, where we put everything about the podcast. But essentially this is you share a number of slides. It's normally 20. Sarah said her team actually do 10. So again, play around with what works for you. But every slide is timed at 20 seconds. And so what's nice about this is you get rhythm and energy. It's fun and it's fast. It's sort of the opposite of like the death by PowerPoint that we probably all experienced. And I think you usually give people a theme. So you might just have a theme of who am I? That's the question. Who am I? 10 slides, 20 seconds each. If everyone did that, it's fast, it's furious, it's fun. Everyone will do that in a slightly different way. Maybe you do one per team meeting or maybe everybody has a go but um, it's a really nice format for people to sort of have a play with 
Georgina Bowers shared that they do something called a team agreement. I have done this before in a few different ways. What I really like about this is you are very clearly as a team signing up to, right, how are we going to work together? How are we going to use tech? How do we make decisions? How are we going to celebrate success? How do we resolve issues? And as Georgina rightly says, a brilliant way to build psychological safety, create a climate of trust. I've done this a few times in leadership teams in particular, and it's been so useful. The thing that I've never experienced done quite so well is like keeping it alive. But I really like the idea here of the transparency of this. And we've actually talked about this in Amazing If, like how do we sort of write down sort of how we do things day to day, how we do operate as a team. And we haven't got there yet, but um, it's definitely something we've got in mind. So I really liked that one. Celis Gupta shared that she went to something organised by a think tank called Sigma Squared Society. I was like, oh, sounds fascinating. (laughs) And during the day, every group was given a problem to solve, but they were presented with the topic a couple of days before. Everyone was asked to do some research, so you got some time to think and come up with some solutions. So you allocated a topic and then you went into a Slack group. But during the day, you were brainstorming and learning together. It sounded like it was all brilliantly moderated. And if you went off on a tangent, everyone was sort of brought back to, well, what's the problem we're trying to solve here? And what I really liked about this one, which was the first time I think I'd seen an idea in this way, was sort of connecting the what we do before with what we do in the moment and sort of giving everyone a bit of space to sort of go off and do their own thing. And I suspect those discussions were better because of it. You know, if someone just said to me, okay, well, how are we more innovative in our processes? I'm not great on the spot and I'm not spontaneous, but if I know that we're going to be talking about that, I might go away and read something, listen to a podcast, or it's just sort of percolating in my mind. So I really like that connecting the dots with sort of the before and in the moment. And then Louise Emily, who is an artist and does loads of really interesting workshops. She had one which was about kind of getting closer and connected, a bit like some of our Spotify ideas, where she asks people to introduce themselves. And rather than just saying, you know, your name and your job title, which always feels a bit like it's a bit boring. And then often if you sort of go, oh, tell me something interesting about yourself. I think often everyone's like, oh, no, but I'm not interesting. So no, no one enjoys usually doing that activity but she actually asks people to share a story about their name. And I was like, oh, actually, I can really see how that would work. Like for me, I I already know the story that I would tell, even though I've got the most popular name in the year that I was born. And you're like, I mean, that's, that's a story in itself, right? But again, it's a really simple way. I think particularly if people didn't know each other or if perhaps you were coming together maybe as a network or a cross company team, that might be really nice. Like, oh, I'm hi, I'm Sarah. Here's a story about my name that's sort of interesting. Sort of gets everyone started, kind of releases any tension of like that awkward introduction. Because I think people do often get quite tense about introducing well, themselves. You reminded me actually of um, the Andrea Patico, who um, is Chief People Officer at a company called MVF, told me about a really good sort of what's in your name team meeting exercise you could do or sort of department one which is actually really good for diversity and inclusion you know not everybody uses the name that they were born with at work and there can be all kinds of reasons for that you know maybe their family gave them sort of you know they were born with one name but they were always called a different name by their family and that's the one they use at work or maybe um, a lot of people have um, sort of like an anglicized version of their name to make it more comfortable for other people to say and that isn't the name that they were born with and actually they've sort of lost some of their own 
different identity in that process and so sort of what's in your name you know what was the name that you were born with and what's the name that you use at work it creates all kinds of stories it might be like Mm. a you might end up saying oh this is a nickname and this is how long I've been called it or you might say actually I you know my, my name at work is John but actually that's not the name that I was born with and again you get this insight into people's lives that can enable them to talk about their identity outside of work that might not feel fully represented in work and I always thought that was a really powerful idea Mm, yeah I love that and actually even thinking like my dad my dad was christened John Mark Ellis but was always called Mark always like all of his friends everyone at work called him Mark Ellis and you're like it's such a like weird story that's nothing to do with identity that was just to do with his like mum and dad being like yeah oh we prefer we prefer the way that it sounds John Mark Ellis but then oh no we're gonna call him Mark I'm like why <laughs> it never ever made any sense to me but again he could have told that story and you're like oh like no one will have known that his first name was actually John that he was sort of Chris and John and so I think like you say it's one of those where you, it sounds quite small but I think it could get quite significant yeah exactly like names that you've been called or nicknames you've had like everyone's probably got a story about their name and then how that story's made them feel as well so it's can be quite enlightening so hopefully you've managed to keep on top of all those ideas but don't worry if you haven't because we'll summarize as many as we can in the pod sheet for you and it might be worth just sending the pod sheet round to your team and saying which one of these should we do first you know and seeing which one they've got like the most energy for and then hopefully between listening to this podcast and reading the pod sheet you've got all the information that you need to get started with it but if you do have any questions at all you can always just get in touch with us we're helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and if you've got other ideas ideas like let us know because we would love to give them a go and try them out with our team and if we get a deluge of other ideas we'll find some other way to share them so please yeah get in touch if you have any questions get in touch if you've got any more ideas you'd like us to add to our list so thank you so much for listening and we hope you found that useful i'm back with you again soon bye for now bye everyone